uh, I read this this week. I really liked it. It said, after all these years of feeling guilty, you should be ashamed of yourself. I like that. Uh, here's, here's the topic. I mean, guilt by association. If, if I support, here we, just diving right in. If I support a politician that is evil, am I being evil by that association? Now, theologically, here's some points you need to consider. And I'm not talking about politics tonight, but it, I knew I'd get your attention. Uh, Joseph worked for Pharaoh, who was an idolater, uh, saved the world through him. Moses worked for Pharaoh, who killed babies, almost killed him. Daniel worked for Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Daniel 4, verse 17, from the words of Daniel himself, said... The most high rules in the kingdom of men and sets over it the lowest of men. And he spoke that to Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> I took a little courage, I think, to say those last words. <laughs> sets over it the lowest of men. <laughs> uh, you know, you don't say that to leaders like that too often. Mordecai and Esther uh, saved Ahasuerus from assassination, Esther chapter 2. Uh, so they did that good deed for a king that was less than perfect, believe me. Uh, Jesus did not rebuke Herod or Herodias, which is interesting because Herod and Herodias had John killed, as you know, Herodias for his daughter. But he says nothing about that subject at all, Matthew 11, uh, 1 through 9, Mark, Matthew 14, 1 through 13. Uh, John is killed, beheaded by them. And he never says anything politically perfect, uh, public that we know about that at all. Uh, Jesus approves taxes to the immoral Caesars of Rome, uh, Matthew chapter 22, 15 through 22. Never in any way suggests that because of their wickedness that they should not give taxes. In fact, he says the exact opposite to some degree. Uh, Paul taught uh, that Roman leaders were ordained of God to be obeyed. You've got to remember when he actually wrote those words, the Caesar sitting on the throne was likely Nero. Uh, not the worst, but one of the worst. Calagula is probably the worst that they ever had, but not the worst to Christians. There were actually some later that were even worse to Christians. Killed many Christians and cut, cut arms off and legs off, stuff like that. So, so you can either support... I'm walking into territory now, so get ready. You can either support or hate Trump. Does your support or hatred for him make you holy? Hmm. Mark, this, I'm getting into worse territory, so hang on. Pray for me. Mark Galley, who's the editor of Christianity Today. Some of you probably heard about this article. Let me read the article. Some of you never read it. It's actually a very long article. I just want to read a little section of it. It says, whether Mr. Trump should be removed from office by the Senate or by popular vote uh, next election, that is a matter of prudential judgment. That he should be removed, we believe, is not a matter of partisan loyalties, but loyalty to the creator of the Ten Commandments. To the many evangelicals who continue to support Mr. Trump in spite of his blackened moral record, we might say this, quote, Remember who you are and whom you serve. Consider how your justification of Mr. Trump influences your witness to your Lord and Savior. And consider what an unbelieving world will say if you continue to brush off Mr. Trump's immoral words and behaviors in the cause of political expediency. If we don't reverse course now, will anyone take anything we say about justice and righteousness with any seriousness for decades to come? Can we say with a straight face that abortion 
is a great evil that cannot be tolerated and with the same straight face say that the bent and broken character of our nation's leaders uh, doesn't really matter. Now, he had written previously about three editorials that kind of ripped into Trump, so that wasn't his first. It's just the first one that hit the news that y'all read about. Uh, then there's the Christian Post who rebuts the, uh, the Christianity Today. Here's what they said. It's an article by John Grano and Richard Land, uh, and they wrote about Christianity Today saying, quote, disdainful, dismissive, elitist posture toward their fellow Christians may well do far more long-term damage to American Christianity and its witness than any current prudential support for President Trump will ever cause. Here's the question. Again, let me go back to my question. You remember the question? Does support or hatred for Trump make you holy? See, what I'm actually talking about, which I've got your attention, right? I'm not talking about that anymore. It just got your attention. I knew it would get your attention. Some of you out there are expecting a fight right now, but I'm, you're not getting one from me. I don't even vote, so don't get too excited about me. Uh, what is guilt by association? What is it? It's actually a logical fallacy. It's actually logically incorrect to use it. It's, it's uh, A is a member of or attends group B, and C is a member or attends group B. Therefore, A and C totally agree. Uh, that's not true. You can't make that conclusion. The logical fallacy is basically a person or a belief is supported or attacked for its relationship. Like whoever you support, you're a good person. Whoever you don't support, you're a good person. Whoever you're against, you're a good person. Whoever you're for, you're a good person. It's not like that. Attributing that any relationship implies an agreement on all things that you see as evil is not correct. That's not a logical thing. It may sound logical. If you do not vote the way I vote, you're not a faithful Christian. That's very dangerous, and it's also not correct. If you attend an event not teaching my views of truth, you are unfaithful. Very dangerous. Very divisive. Speaking on a lectureship program, for example, this is what I've seen it played out a lot of times in the church. A guy speaking on a lectureship program is speaking on a lectureship program where another guy is speaking who's disavowed by some brethren. Therefore, because this guy who hasn't been disavowed is now speaking on a program that this guy that is disavowed, now both of them are disavowed and you shouldn't listen to either, right? Because they are part of the same thing. They must both be evil. If the guys I think are wrong say you're okay, then you must be wrong and lost. And don't think I haven't heard that kind of reasoning used in the church. I've been in the church a long time and I've heard that used. If you don't listen to the right news media, uh uh-oh, now I'm getting into the wrong area. If you don't listen to the right news media, you're hopelessly wrong and lost. That's not really right, and it's not really true. And let let me give you an example of that. You can have a a Pulitzer Prize winner. It sounds like Super Prize winner. That's not what it is. It's Pulitzer Prize winner, right? Uh, And you think, well, he's a Pulitzer. He must be credible. But that's not the case, and I'll just give you one example of that. Guy's name Walter Durante, uh, and that's not the Jim Durante, but Walter Durante uh, was the New York Times writer in Moscow, 
uh, who deliberately concealed the crimes of Stalin and Stalinism and all those. I mean, Stalin was killing millions, and he was covering it up. But he won a Pulitzer for it. Uh, should we disregard all associations, therefore, because of what I've just said, as unimportant? No, and that's not what I'm saying. But that's what people tend to think when you use this guilt by association and say that's not a valid argument. It's not a valid argument. Nobody in logic circles believes that's a valid argument. But people use it all the time. You should not. However, you should not conclude that all associations are unimportant. I'm going to deal with that. That's what I'm going to deal with at the end of this lesson, okay? So hang with me, and we'll get to that. At this point, it is equally important to not just make sweeping guilt by association as that ends up very superficial and logically incorrect. In John 7, verse 24, Jesus said, Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. That means you need to see below the surface of what you may have decided about some other group or some other person. And that's the tendency in, in, in America. We are doing a lot of that right now. And it's very divisive over our country. But the bad thing is, is I'm seeing it slip into the church. And I hear things and I've seen things posted on, you know, be careful. It really isn't healthy for us. So let me give you about four rules uh, that are spelled out in scripture of why guilt by association doesn't fit. But I'm going to give you what does fit. Okay. Can we do that? And then we'll get on to something else. All right. First. It's not by form association, but by purpose association. Remember that. It is by purpose, but it is not by form. So we think because they have the same form, uh, some of the same formalities, that they are therefore the same. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. So if you evaluate a preacher based upon his clothing, I mean, that's really what he's saying here. And what kind of clothing? Well, Elijah and John wore the same kind of clothing, camel's hair and or goat skins and or sheep skins, which is what a, uh, a shepherd would wear. All right. You'd kill a sheep and you'd probably wear that because it's the cheapest, easiest thing for you to get. So therefore, prophets and shepherds of the people would often wear those clothing to identify them as those kind of people. Just wearing that clothing, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. The clothing does not define the man. I, I know we tend to think it does. We see people dressed in a sharp outfit. Why, well, he must really know what he's doing. He may be a crook. He may have stole those clothes in the last 15 minutes. You don't know what that guy's like. And if he looks hip, that doesn't mean he's hip. I've seen some nerds that look hip. That doesn't mean anything. I mean, you will know them by their fruits, not by the forms. Don't get caught up in the forms. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? No. So pay attention to what they actually do, not the forms that they're involved in. Critical of judging anybody if we should be judging. But that's the, what we're coming to here. All right, number two. It's not by fellowship associations, but by purpose. So there's this big thing, especially in the church. There, and there's a big issue. Most of you are too young to even remember. We had this big thing a few years ago. Some of you older might remember it. The big F, little F. Anybody remember that? Capital F, small letter F. 
Wow, I'm old. This was in the 70s. Any of y'all born in the 70s or before the 70s? There's got to be somebody out there. All right, so there's big issue about, so there's fellowship and then there's a secondary fellowship. And at any rate, I'm not getting into that right now. So bottom line is, from, for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. So fellowship, believe it or not, what you do in fellowships, how you fellowship people affects whether or not, I know it sounds crazy, whether or not you're a good person. If you would dare sit down and eat with some people, you're evil. Remember what I'm saying. What matters is the purpose of why you do it. Okay? The purpose is everything. You can go into a bar that serves only hard liquor and sit down with somebody and have a drink. I didn't say you should be drinking hard liquor. They have water there. You drink milk. I think that's what they did in the Old West. Don't you get glass of milk? But the point is, is that it's the purpose you're there. Why are you there? Don't judge something on the external. I saw him come out. I saw him come out of that place with all those women. Yeah, well, I hate to tell you, I've been in a place like that before. So, uh, but it wasn't there because I wanted to be (laughs) We'll talk about that in another day, maybe when y'all grow up. All right, number <laughs> number three. Not, not my friendship associations, but my purpose. It has to do with your purpose. So, well, he's my friend. Well, if you're a friend of him, I don't have anything to do with you. That's really, really dangerous thinking. Uh, we got to be really careful about that. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 19. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, look, a glutton and a wine member, a friend. How dare he be a friend of tax collectors and sinners? You can't be a friend and be faithful to God and be a friend of tax gatherers and sinners. And then Jesus says, but wisdom is justified by our children. Those aren't the children of the wise people. That's what he's saying. Okay, so... It isn't about your friendship associations. It's why are you friends? Why are you friends? You know, you can be the friend of a devil for a day. If you need to be, right? Think that through. Quit judging people superficially. You know, I can't believe they ran around. I can't believe you went over there. I can't believe you listened to that person. Really? Is that it? Is that as deep as we're going? All right, next point. Not by following associations, but by purpose. So, so now you follow somebody. I can't believe you would follow them. Oh, or I can't believe you don't follow them. I got to be honest with you. Some preachers bore me absolutely to death. If I had to listen to them to be faithful, I'd probably quit. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm talking in the church, out of the church. I'm sorry. There's some, some of them you'd love because they fit your personality. Everything doesn't fit everybody's personality. And there are people that I do follow that some of you wouldn't, wouldn't follow for nothing. I think some of you probably think I'm a nut for thinking T.D. Jakes is, is really interesting. I love to listen to him. So some of you, oh, he likes T.D. Jakes. Well, we know about him now. Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through 40 says, Now John answered him, saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us. Oh, casting out demons in your name. Who does he think he is? And we forbade him 
because he does not follow us. I mean, we're the key. You, they ought to know that. But Jesus said, do not forbid him for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. Obviously, that'd be the case for he who is not against us is on our side. And I like people being on my side personally. But so just because somebody either follows, doesn't follow or runs with this group or doesn't run with that group does not mean you should size them up and decide whether or not they're a good person or a bad person. So, obviously, it applies to politics, but it applies to all of life. That's all of life. Be careful. But now, having said that, so this is basically the four little points I'm making here. It's not by form association. It's not by fellowship association. It's not friendship association. And it's not following association. It's the purpose you do things. And by the way, I rarely know what somebody's purpose is unless they tell me. So you, you, you talk about somebody that you haven't talked to, you're inappropriate. Talk to them. Find out why they did it. Why did you read that book? I can't believe you read that book. Why did you do it? Why matters. It's important. It's critical. Be careful. Now... Now, that's the one side. So guilt by association is a logical fallacy and we should not engage in it. But there is a truth that doesn't need to be overlooked here. And that's this. And that's going to get really small. I didn't know it was going to be that small. I'll just tell you what the verses are. So do we conclude that an associations are not important at all? No. Who you run with does matter. And it's important. Psalm 1, 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. You're not really supposed to run with them to have fun with them if they're not living right. That's not the idea. Proverbs 1 and verse 15, My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. There are people you really should not be. Look, I, it's, you want to go down and deal with, say, somebody dealing in drugs? If that's you're trying to reach them for Jesus, that's a wonderful thing to do. But to sit with a bunch of guys high, probably not the smartest thing you've ever done. And there's little needles sticking all around. You might get stuck and end up with AIDS. So be careful. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of sexually immoral people in this world. I mean like a lot. So he says in the next verse... Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world. Since then you'd have to go out of the world. If you're never going to socialize with people of sin, you're going to have to leave the world. That's just not possible. You can't do it. You just can't do it. I see y'all straining your eyes. I'm sorry. I'd do this, but it wouldn't help. That little pinch thing. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Absolutely. If you run with people who are have bad habits, you're likely to end up having bad habits. So if it's not, just be aware. 
Now that doesn't mean if I see you running with somebody that I know why you're there. So there's the catch. You see what I'm saying? It's one thing to be aware of that yourself. It's another thing to judge somebody else. But you don't know their motivations and your pur- their purposes. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 14 through 17. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You really shouldn't get into any kind of really close relationship that could lead you astray. This Probably the number one way that would be bad for you would be married to somebody who is an unbeliever. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Right? Absolutely agree with that. The problem comes when I decide about you. Because I don't know your purpose or why you do what you do. And what accord has Christ with Belial? Has none. Belial just means a worthless individual. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? I mean, really, we don't have a fellowship with people who don't believe. We all know that. But of course, that doesn't mean I couldn't sit down with an unbeliever and try to reach him for Christ. That I couldn't be his friend if he needed help. That I couldn't help him fix his car. I mean, well, I couldn't help him fix his car, but I could break it for him. Verse 16. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 17. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. So you're not supposed to be like them. Uh, Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. So the idea is a separation rather than... It getting on you, getting in you, what they do. That's right. Uh, an English reference first cited in 1612 by John Webster in his play called The White Devil. It's Act 5, Scene 1, Line 170. I knew you'd want to know all that, right? For they that sleep with dogs shall rise with fleas. That's where that comes from. If you sleep with dogs, now that's a, a harsh comment because we wouldn't want that. That's not politically correct. But if you sleep with a dog, you might end up having fleas on you. That's just basically true. Dogs have fleas, right? So if you run around with people who aren't the best people in the world, you may end up being a person that's not the best people in the world. But uh, I don't know anybody that doesn't get a flea on them eventually. I've had fleas all over me. Y'all had fleas? We've had fleas in our house. And, And I'm not an advocate for fleas. But we've had a dog. Ever had fleas? Some of you had ticks, right? All right, so is, is the old saying true? One bad apple spoils a whole bunch. Well, there's a sense in which it's not, but actually in literal terms, yes, it is true. As they ripen, I don't know if you know this, but as they ripen, some fruits like apples and particularly pears and apples produce a gaseous hormone called ethylene, which is, among other things, a ripening agent. And it sends a signal out to all the other fruits in the basket to produce the same thing and ripen quicker. Ethylene emits, uh, prods all the other things. In fact, here's a tip for you. Uh, I know one of the big problems is avocados, right? You get an avocado and it's not ripe yet. Y'all run into that? This is a cooking tip. 
You look to me for cooking tips, right? Yeah. Okay. So if you'll take a relatively ripe apple and you put it in a bag with an avocado, just a paper bag until the next morning, it will be ripe. So that's what happens. So one bad apple does spoil the whole bunch. But, but be careful of bad company. That's the point of this section of the lesson. It may lower your reputation. Who you run with, who you think's great, could ruin your reputation. That's the truth. And it may lead you astray. That's the truth. If you run with the wrong people, you could end up thinking wrong. There you are. Okay. That's two sides of the same subject. Think about it for a minute. Uh, this is actual off the internet. That is the Supreme Court decision, if you want to look it up. So I'm not making this up. Uh, it is a court case over guilt by association. It's an example of uh, guilt by association uh, by the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, Maryland versus Pringle is how it began in 2003. A police officer stopped a car for speeding. And in the car were three passengers. One's name was Joseph Pringle. Not Kringle, but Pringle. Like the can of stuff, you know. And in the car, they found $750 in the glove compartment. And they found a rather large stash of cocaine cocaine, behind the armrest in one of the back seats. Now, Kringle, Pringle, not Kringle, I've already said it there. Pringle was arrested along with the two occupants, and all three denied that they even owned the drugs or the money. All right? So the court found that uh, Pringle guilty on two charges, uh, possession of cocaine and possession with intent to distribute. He was sentenced to t- 10 years. He appealed to the Maryland Court of Special Appeals. Uh, A court affirmed his conviction. So he took his case to the State Court of Appeals, who reversed his conviction, holding simply that cocaine in the car, this may be good news for y'all, cocaine in the car was not enough to establish probable cause for his arrest and subsequent charges. Guilt by association. But... (laughs) That wasn't the end of it. Pringle's case then went on up to the U.S. Supreme Court. He reversed the state court uh, of appeals and affirmed Pringle's conviction, reasoning, quote, because the officer had probable cause to arrest Pringle, the arrest did not contravene the 4th and 14th Amendment. You see, what you didn't know is they were arrested at 3 o'clock in the morning, driving about 100 miles an hour. So that he arrested, that was the reason they pulled, he was pulled over to begin with. So Maryland law authorized police officers to execute warrantless arrest where, that's Maryland, that's not here, where the officer has probable cause to believe that a felony has been committed or is being committed in the officer's presence. Here it is uncontested that the officer, upon recovering the suspected cocaine, had probable cause. The question is whether he had probable cause to believe Pringle committed that crime. And this is what they said. The substance of all the definition of probable cause is a reasonable ground for belief of guilt. Just the very fact that the substance is there. (laughs) That much cocaine and that much money. And that belief must be particularized with respect to the person to be searched or seized. To determine whether an officer has probable cause to make an arrest, a court must examine the events leading up to the arrest and then decide whether these historical facts 
viewed from the standpoint of an objectively reasonable police officer uh, amount to probable cause. We're getting down to the end of it. Hang with me. As it is an entirely reasonable inference from the facts. Remember, he was arrested at 3 a.m. They are all three driving at an enormous rate down the streets of the city. As it is an entirely reasonable inference from the facts here that any or all of the car's occupants had knowledge of and exercised dominion and control over the cocaine, a reasonable officer could conclude that there was probable cause to believe Pringle committed the crime of possession of cocaine either solely or jointly. Here it is. Pringle's attempt to characterize this as a guilt by association case is unavailing. So no, he's guilty. So be careful who you associate with. Being in the car may not be valid. You may not be guilty. But if you are in a car where a major crime is being committed, you may be found guilty because there may be enough probable cause to find you guilty. Association with a believer on a regular basis does not make you a Christian. Being in a church building does not make you a Christian. It would be superficial of me to say that everybody that sits in a church building is a Christian. But it would also be superficial of me to say that not sitting in a church building is smart. And it would also be superficial of me to say that sitting in a church building, it might rub off on you. You might become a Christian just sitting in a church building. Amen. So bring your kids. Put them in class. Amen. Yeah. And and don't be superficial in your judgments. Don't assume somebody's guilty because they socialize or support or with somebody. That they're somehow wicked, evil. They've lost their faith. It's not appropriate. I would love to associate with you always, wouldn't you? I'd like to associate with you always here. And then I'd like to associate with you just a little more over there. Amen. So if you're here tonight and you're not sure you're going to make the association over there, we'd like to encourage you to make it. Repent of your sins. Confess the name of Christ. Be baptized or rededicate your life. Make your calling an election sure. Try not to judge everybody else. Really not my place yet, is it? Is it yours? I'm not the judge. There is one judge, one lawgiver. Let's try to follow him. If you're willing to come, though, come while we stand and while we sing.